and serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. are about to hear has not been said by anyone anywhere. A friend of Mechigoria reveals a new dimension of Our Lady Mechigoria and the messages. We've been talking about Our Lady's messages and the difference that they are in past apparitions compared to now. And I'm speaking also directly to the big apparitions in our time that's gone through the 20th century, which is Fatima. But all that was to come to this point now where Our Lady comes to us on May 2nd, 2016, and says something very, very profound. Most people glossed over it, and they didn't really comprehend the magnitude of it. And I've been speaking recently about this new language. Our Lady puts this in context with the words of that date, May 2nd, 2016. She said, My words are neither old nor new. So how do you take that? She's not bringing anything new to us or something old. But it is a new way to see what she says after that. Neither old nor new, they are eternal. What kind of context then does that put our lady's words in? She's not just saying something like she did in Fatima. She's hearing a whole nother character, a whole nother language. And I'm giving you words that aren't necessarily out of the Bible. But in this time, I'm giving you something to understand the Bible that is a preface to it. And it's going to be very, very important to now, to the end of the world. So when she said they are neither old nor new, they are eternal, she adds this to it. Be apostles of the revelation. Not revelations. So everybody would describe this as doctors of the church and theologians. These are just private revelations. No, they are not. This is something way beyond that. 
Can we say they're public revelations? No, because public revelations ended with the last apostle, St. John. So then where are they? There's a new category being built by Our Lady between public revelations, the Bible, and private revelations, which is Fatima, or the saints and things that they've received. That's a bridge to our Bible because words that we have from the scriptures cannot be understood in the context of modern man and where he is to change his direction without somebody coming from heaven, the Virgin Mary in this case, giving clarity to scriptures. And so these will not be in the future classed as simple private revelations, nor they will be looked at as equal with the Bible. They're the bridge. They're in the middle. A whole new category with great power, far greater than private revelations, that tell us and help us to understand public revelations. Why is this important? Because we have to see things in the scriptures. Our Lady said just this Christmas, December 25th, 2018, I am carrying to you my son Jesus, who is the king. We have a drama that took place. There was five kings. What were they doing? Who are they? This drama is in the book of Matthew. And the first verse of Matthew links a king that is at the end of the chapter 2. Herod was king over Bethlehem. Why is that important? Because it tells us a lot today of how things are going on and the power and struggles and the threats. And what we see even Washington in different nations, different places all over the world. Our ladies come to bring this alive. It's a revelation for us. Herod had three other kings come to him. And that brings us to five kings in this book, in this drama of one of the most dynamic events in the history of the world. To a Christ, the peacemaker, Herod, who was a Jew but not by blood, and king. And he was so threatened when the three kings said we came to do him homage that Herod literally began to shake because he did not want another king to take over. You have to understand Herod to understand the scriptures of what happened. Because when the three kings says to Herod, where is the newborn king? The three kings says, we traveled hundreds of miles. Actually, they literally came over 1,000 miles to meet with him. And basically, they told Herod, we're not here to meet you, the successor. And he had been king for 42 years. So why was Herod so upset? Because he was the Lion of Esau, but he was raised as a Jew. But he had the blood. So this baby was a threat to him. Because he was a king, and he was Jewish. Talking about the Christ child. And in the Old Testament, the kings knew that, that the Messiah, who would be the king of Israel, would be Jewish. So this whole conversation going on between the three kings and King Herod, the Bible says he was troubled. The Greek word, what it actually means, that he could no longer control himself. He began to shake violently when he heard these words. And the three responded to Herod, where is the king, the true king of the Jews, not you? And they said, we came here to worship the true king. So this shook Herod and made him basically go insane in his hatred. So everything I'm saying about the book of Matthew is not just what's in the Bible. There's a lot of things recorded secularly by the Romans, Josephus, and people like that 
who wrote about Christ. And because Herod was a king, we know a lot of things secularly about what this man was about. So it's not just in scriptures. And that's one thing you would go to. We go see what was happening in those moments of history where there's records to even understand the scriptures. If you studied Herod, you'll see psychologically he was a serial killer. He was a pathological killer. He had serious problems. He had a big argument with his wife. He had her murdered. But that wasn't enough. He was constantly in fear of being replaced as king. And he did everything to avoid that. He even had one son who was going to take over, and he had him killed. So anything that threatened him, which was several of his children, because he had nine wives, and he thought they were going to try to take over his position, he had them killed. And then he had many of his relatives killed. And then what did he do? What makes him a psychological killer? He was so nervous about some of his officers, he gathered together 300 of them and had them killed at once. All his political enemies. So Herod is approaching his death. He realizes he's going to die. He can't stop that because everybody dies. What does he do? He orders 3,000 of the people in Bethlehem and Jerusalem to be gathered together. They were put in prison. And the order was, at the very moment that Herod died, they would all be killed. Why is that? Because he knew they would all celebrate. They'd be rejoicing. And instead, what Jerusalem heard and the people of Israel, they were weeping and wailing and mourning. And the Bible talks about the mourning in Ramah, that you could hear the wailing and the weeping of the children who were crying. So Herod is the first man on the theater stage of this drama confronting the Christ child, and it was called The Slaughter of the Innocents. But that's not enough for Herod. What did he do? To kill the king, he ordered all the children under two years of age to be slaughtered in Bethlehem. I've been there. I've seen the niches in the grotto or the walls where they buried some of these children. We got plenty of evidence historically that he did this, not just the Bible. So we see all this drama around Jesus' birth. This is where Our Lady told us when we talked about Christmas. Even in the stable, we were happy. And so we have these little sweet songs, O Little Town of Bethlehem. How still we see thy lie and the baby Jesus. But was it really that way? Maybe it had been a little bit different. We look at these things that surround the birth of Jesus as something very beautiful, but it's very violent. Walking down Via Della Rosa where Jesus was crucified, there were hawkers, there were booths, there were people selling things. It's not like the Holy 14 stations we do in our churches where everything's solemn and quiet. People were screaming. They were having conversations. They saw frequently people being crucified. They paid little attention to him. Those who hated Jesus at his birth was in kinship and common ground of those who hated at his death. And we wonder why these things happen to us when we get persecuted. Jesus said, they persecuted me and they will persecute you. They hated me and they will hate you because of my name. When you wear Jesus' name, when you follow Our Lady, you're going to have problems. You're going to have difficulty. And the closer you are, the more problems you will have. So Herod's reaction is a great teaching to us for today. If you want to say something about Herod, anything about Herod, by one word and describe him, what he did, it's rejection. This rejection started immediately when he heard about Jesus' name. 
Jesus immediately began to be rejected with a man who didn't even know where he was. The name Jesus is powerful. Jesus Christ is rejected. It's taking place today. We're experiencing this. Nobody wants it. Our lady's here for that purpose. So she said January 2nd, a fresh message, 2019, just a few days ago. There are those, she says, who are seeking my son. Then in this way, she says, they're seeking me. That's why she's coming. If we seek her, we're going to end up with our son. For those who accept our, like the Muslims, accept our lady, but not Jesus. But they're seeking her that will seek my son. But we can reverse that because Protestants are seeking her son. And in this way, they'll be seeking me, she says. So they're going to come together, both sides of the spectrum. Whether you don't accept our lady, you're rejecting her, but you're seeking her son. They are getting prepped through the secrets to come know her. Those who are the Muslims, who have a great devotion to the Virgin Mary, seeking her when the secrets are released, are going to realize they were seeking her son. They're together. They're not separate. This is one thing. It's a big, big thing coming to us. And we're seeing the drama of Herod and the five kings and all this happening today. Our lady's here with us, just like 2,000 years ago. The rejection, the hatred, the murder, all this is calculated out. That's why we see what's happening in the world. Everybody being slaughtered all over the place. The rage of Satan is after those who are seeking truth. They don't even know what that truth is yet. It may be Mary first, then her son, or it may be her son, and then the mother. See how Lady bridges this and how deep these messages are, how profound they are, what they say? So nowadays we have the same reaction, rejection. The culture is Herod. It is rejecting Jesus Christ. Wherever light, wherever good has been promoted, you will see resistance by the Herods. It can be our president. It could be people in our church. It could be you. We see, even with the president, a rejection, not because he's a saint, but because he represents something that's opening his door to truth and delight on behalf of Christians. And the fight is furious. Pelosi, a Catholic, is antichrist in her whole beliefs and what she professes. And you might say this is political. No, we can put this template of seeking my son, and this way you're also seeking me, reversing on both sides. What is the light and what is the dark? They lie. They are lying right now what's taking place in our nation and in the world. So if Jesus at his birth was rejected and rejected through his whole life and rejected at his death, rejected at his resurrection, they're certainly going to reject the new life he brings to us through these messages and what the scriptures tell us. It's their own nature. It's evil's nature. It's the nature of darkness. So in Christmas time, we can't be in steel in the Christmas season. We have to look at the dynamics of all this strife, all this unpeace, all this fighting, all this battle. All these words, I'm trying to get you to see something deep. We can again look at the recent message of January 2nd. Again, repeat myself, a few days ago, this year, 2019, she starts a message about all this strife and the rejection of Christ. Dear children, sadly, among you, my children, there is so much battle, hatred, personal interest, and selfishness. 
Faith is being extinguished in many souls and hearts. These are incredible words. When you go back to Scripture and look at it through her words and the new language she's bringing to us that are neither old nor new, but eternal, we know that about Bible verses. But she's saying this about her words she's bringing to us. So don't think these are just simple messages. Because she's identifying in real time battle, hatred, selfishness, self-interest. Incredible things. Incredible moment. And you wonder why there's so much strife. You say, I wish people would just get along. It's not going to happen. It didn't happen 2,000 years ago. And from 2,000 years ago today, it didn't happen. But there are peaks. We're seeing the hatred level that we saw in Herod's time and Satan's time now. But our lady's come because she's taken this time from the devil especially from his hundred years, that I am here because God told me this is my time. So it's a time of conflict, a time of battle, a time to recognize where hatred is coming for and why it's that way, why people are selfish and personal interest. You wonder why all this is happening? Your only safe boat to be in, the only ark you can have is the Holy Virgin Mary. And follow her messages and realize they are eternal. There's something beyond public revelations that is leading us to see scriptures that we didn't see it before. And had she not come, the Bible is no longer enough for man. You say, Natha, it is, it's life. Yes, that's true. But we're not getting out of it, what everybody got for the last 2,000 years, because we have such a massive amount of prodigies from Satan that have manifested that has covered the clarity of the scriptures. The church has grown old. Every old person, no matter who they are, their vision starts fading away. You have to start wearing reading glasses around 40 years of age to 45 years of age. Why? Because to simply explain it, your retina is starting to harden. It doesn't allow enough light to come in. So you start off with glasses that are weak, reading glasses, and then you keep growing up as you get older. And this is something part of nature. And the world is getting older. It ages, just like the church has. And we've lost the clarity of these scriptures. And our coming to bring us glasses. And as we've gone through these 37 years headed toward 40 years, we've got stronger and stronger glasses. And we're seeing more and more things in the messages. I tell you, if you don't understand these things, you can't navigate the future. You have no future. Because we don't understand the Bible anymore because of the radical different things with materialism. Why she said faith is being extinguished in many souls, she added, because hearts are being grasped by material things of the world. So we grow in the inability more and more that the scriptures do not pertain to us. Everything comes from modernism and it covers that up. So that's why coined two decades ago that the messages of Our Lady are a template to be placed on everything we view in the world to understand it. Our Lady upped the ante, not just a little step, that she began on the first step of a staircase with a hundred steps that these messages have brought us to the top of the staircase, a hundred steps, where at that point she finally can say May 2nd, 2016. My words are neither old nor new, 
they are eternal. This is a very profound statement. This is defining what her words are. She was so serious about her messages and how profound they are that she says, God conveys these messages to me, and you are not to add anything to them, nor Take anything away from them. That's how critical they are. There's sloppiness sometimes transmitting the messages because people do not understand, even in some of the translations, what they're handling, what they're holding in their hands. It is the Word of God explained about the Word of God from the mother's perspective. And she said, my son is the divine spirit and he will help you and my motherly spirit will help you. And we have all this tied up. Uh, The magnitude of these messages, neither old nor new, they're eternal. Be apostles of the revelations. You have to shake yourself. And we should shake like Herod, except out of goodness, not out of badness. He was threatened. But we should be in such a fear of God that we've gone through our measurable growth and still do not grasp these messages. I'm not saying that you might grasp them the way I do. Not that I know more, but I've got the privilege that my whole day is in prayer and into the messages. And it has made me understand certain things. And she does reveal things about the messages to me that I reveal to you, just like this template. And so that's why we do this, is to help you see that what I see and what you see, we still don't comprehend. She said in the bedroom, pray to comprehend the profoundness of the messages. At that time, people were ridiculing them. People who loved Medjugorje, who loved their lady. Oh, that's not important. And I was rejecting them. I was rejecting their mentalities. And I stepped out on that first step, got to the 30th step, got to the 100th step, and started telling people, this is what they mean. And there was nobody I followed. There was nobody showed me. Nobody taught me. I believed our lady says, pray to comprehend the profoundness of the messages, and I began to see I saw things in it. And we conveyed that, and we've initiated things through this understanding Our Lady gave here, and that understanding, to people all over the world. I'm telling you, I saw, I was a witness, I testified, nobody was into the messages, including the visionaries. You say, well, how could that be? They see the message, they didn't go into it. It was years before that. I've been with Maria when she spoke and I spoke in different places in the world. And often she would turn to me about the messages because I have to struggle to know them. I have to struggle to understand them. She sees it so she don't retains it the same way. There was a message I brought up. She said, I lady never said that. And that's happened several times. I said, yes, she did. Here it is. I looked it up and showed her. She said, oh, okay. So she's got cognition with me that I'm down the food chain ladder of the visionaries but I see things she can't see because I have to struggle to see it. And that's what he's telling us in the messages. You struggle for these messages. You look at them. You read. You fast. You pray. You do sacrifices. You do penance. Who in history and the numbers we have today that was told on February 25th, 1988, that you sacrifice your life for the salvation of the world? What a glorious commission, a glorious call. Thank you for responding to my call. If you do that. We're in a position nobody has in 2,000 years of history since the apostles. When the revelation stopped, and now they begin in a new way of revelations, of words, eternal words, explaining public revelations. They are kin to it. 
way more than private revelations. So when people minimize this, you stand up against it, not arrogantly, but with the facts, with your life, with fasting behind it. Because this year is a banner year that we're going to break out, and I've termed it Breakout 2019, Green Light Medjugorje. Don't sit on your hands, and don't be bashful. Be bold. So what I mean by be bold? Why am I so bold about this? Our lady said in our bedroom, January 19th, 1989, at 5.45 p.m. We documented even the time. We documented every action she did. Over across the bed, she says, I ask you to pray and demand the graces for me. I will intercede in front of God for you. But after discussing this with Maria, she said the word demand meant bold, boldly. So you can say, I ask you to pray and ask boldly for the graces for me. I will intercede in front of God for you. I took that message and I boldly asked Our Lady to help me understand the messages. And she did. And now you understand it. You benefit from the grace of being in front of the Virgin Mary when the visionary turns right over to me and gives the message. Every apparition for those three months, the first person she turned to was to me because we was writing them down and we were tape recording them to get exactly. And then I, if I wasn't sure of something, I asked Maria, what does that mean? What do you understand about that? So we had a school for three months here. And I can say she's in 37 years. And we got 37 years of lessons that people have followed Medjugorje in just three months with the mother of God in the house. So we can see things. We understand things. I teach the community things. The people don't have the privilege to do that. Not because we think we deserve it or we think we're holy. We're not. We're sinners. Our Lady just gave a message that you strive to be holy. What do I mean by that, about being holy? Our Lady said, therefore, my children, always strive to be better. If you strive to be good, you can be holy, even though you might not think so of yourselves. If you think you're good, you are not humble. And arrogance distances you from holiness. And that's our culture. That is today's evaluation of the culture today. Everybody thinks they're good. I'm not so bad. And that's why you hear me say many times what a cardinal in the Vatican told me when we sat down. He said, many good people are doing bad things. All this is enough to reflect on, to contemplate the seriousness of 2019 that you give yourself a green light and boldly pronounce the messages through humility, meaning not to back down or give way to it, because we have the right to propagate by baptism these messages. And if you're ever told that you cannot do that, then you say you're in deep, serious error. You're going against the church because it's not condemned. And we can propagate these, and we will. We're not going to stop. Arrest me. Do whatever you want to do. Excommunicate me. Whatever you want to do. We can't be stopped. And only one way is to stop it, is to condemn Medjugorje. And I give a dare for you to do that. Go ahead. Try it. Because you'd be striking against Our Lady herself. And that's why I've been underneath four bishops. And I've been told to get away from the messages. And I said no. And actually, they respected me because I didn't back down. And they were shaking. Maybe he's right. If you'd back down from the messages, why would anybody believe Medjugorje? 
And that's the problem with it today. We're too timid. Break out 2019 and re-listen to this. Put these thoughts in your heart. And green light Medjugorje. It's time. No more waiting. No procrastinating. But move forward and take solid steps. No backing up. No backing down anymore. Do it with humility, without arrogance, but with boldness that you have truth. Because Medjugorje is the answer. There is no other answer. Because if it was, God would not have sent Our Lady. When He sends somebody from heaven, it's because that's the last answer He's giving. We wish you Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye. This ends the Medjinomics broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.